0: Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawferville.com. That's rolcrawferville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crofferville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of
1: God all right, for those of you that may be visiting, welcome to our, our Wednesday Night Bible study here at, uh, at River of Life. As you can tell by the title, we are uh, going through a short study uh, on uh, the fivefold ministry, uh, ephesians four eleven through sixteen and uh, uh, tonight we come to the second gift that Christ gave to the church, and that is the gift of prophets now. I promise you, I did everything in my power to try to do this in one lesson, it was just absolutely impossible. Um, So it's going to take, again, two parts, uh, but uh, we're going to, again, we're going to take our time, we're going to try to teach you some things that maybe nobody's ever, never told you, and and we're just going to make this very, very uh, clear. Uh, The scripture that's relevant for us tonight is just the first two verses, so let's read those. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the last two weeks we've looked at the gift of apostle, and tonight, as I said, we turn to the gift of of prophet. Now, I've always been honest with you guys, and I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I cannot think of another subject that's more confusing and more controversial than this one okay, uh, th- than the one that's in front of us tonight. It is, it is confusing, it's controversial. And there's some reasons for that. And one of the reasons is, in my mind, and I, I can't say this for sure, but I think, I, I can't think of another generation where the level of false prophecy is any higher than it is today. I, I was thinking this week that, you know, if you had been in a church, let's say you lived 100 years ago. Um, I mean, how much would you really have had to deal with false prophets a hundred years ago? There's no television, there's no radio, there's no internet, there's no social media. Were there prof- false prophets? Sure, there's always been false prophets. But, you know, maybe, maybe somebody writes a book that, that you, you know, somebody it says, hey, read this book. Or maybe there's a an itinerant preacher that comes through. Are you with me? But today, you just go out to YouTube, and there is no shortage of people willing to say, thus saith the Lord. It has exploded all over the place. I, I've never seen anything like it. It is absolute chaos out there. Now, let me say, first of all, that this should not surprise us. In Matthew 24, Jesus said this, by the way, in answer to the question, what will be the sign, what are the signs of the end of the age and one of the signs Jesus says, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. 1 John 4 1 says this, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So that it should not surprise us at all that the, that the, you know, social media and, 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 and everything out there is just rife. With false prophecy. That shouldn't surprise us. Jesus and, and the Apostle John told us that, that it would uh, happen. Now, what's interesting to me, I mean, people can get up there and say anything they want. What's interesting to me is how people react. And one of the most disheartening things is how many people love it. They love it. I, 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 yesterday, I pulled up a, a lady. Uh, she calls herself an apostle and a prophet, Young, a young woman. She's probably late 30s, early 40s. And I just put her on and I listened. And it took me literally three minutes to know she was a false prophet. Everything coming out of her mouth had no basis in Scripture. She used words like apostle and, and authority. She used the right language, but there wasn't a thing she said that had any basis in Scripture whatsoever. I mean, it was easy to tell. But I look down and she's got 550,000 subscribers. They love it. Absolutely love it. It's like people just throw their discernment out the window. Now, by the way, that shouldn't surprise us either. Listen to Jeremiah 5, uh, five thirty to 31. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule it their direction, and my people love it. They love it. Why? Because, and we'll talk about this more next week, and one of the reasons is because false prophets will tell you what you want to hear. True prophets tell you what you need to hear. False prophets will always tickle your ear. They'll always, I mean, they're all the same. I mean, I think they just practice a script and email it around. And, and I mean, it's, you know, and then one Anyway, we'll talk about false prophets more uh, next week. I don't want to get into that tonight, But it's, it's disheartening how people just love it. They eat it up. Now, there's another group, by the way, and I don't blame this group. There's another group that looks across the room and they see all the chaos and all the craziness going on. And they just go to the other side of the room and they say, I don't want nothing to do with them people. I'm not going anywhere over there. I am, I'm not touching that. And basically, they just disregard it altogether. I, I'm not having anything to do with it. And like I said, I don't blame them. I get it. I, I, I kind of, I feel like joining those people. But in the middle of, of the camp, there's these group, and maybe there's some of you here like this tonight. You, you ain't got no clue what to believe. Half of them's telling you, come over here with me, and the other half saying, come over there with me, and you're sitting there like, what am I, what are we supposed to do here? So what happens when we have A controversial subject? What happens when we have a confusing subject? What happens when there's so much chaos out there? What do we do? We do what we always do. We go to the Word of God. We open the Word of God. Let me tell you, the Bible has everything in it that God wants you to know about prophecy. If he don't want you to know it, he didn't put it in there. Everything you need to know, everything he wants you to know is in the Bible. So what we're going to do for the next two weeks is we're just going to go to the Scripture. Now, I'm going to try to do something and I'm going to ask you to do it as well. And it's not going to be easy. And that is set aside all the preconceived notions that you got. All the ideas, whether you like it, whether you don't like it. I, I don't care if, you know, if your mom said it was okay and she loved Jesus, that don't make it okay right? I mean, a lot of us just grow up in certain things, and and that's, well, you know, Meemaw loved Jesus, and she didn't do that. we got to set that stuff aside, and we got to come to the Bible. I mean, that's the only thing that matters. What does the Bible say about whatever the subject is? And that's what we're going to look at tonight. What does the Bible say about uh, prophecy? Now, Let's start very simple. Uh, the, you know, last week, in the last couple of weeks, we talked, talked about the word apostle. And in the, the Bible, the apostle can mean different things based on context. Most of y'all were here for that. And, and if you weren't, I would certainly advise you to go back. Um, but prophet's not like that. Now, today, in our English language, we kind of use prophet differently. For example, if somebody can predict an economic upturn or an economic downturn, sometimes the people say, well, he's a prophet. You know, we use it in different ways, but the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible always uses it the same way. A prophet is someone who speaks the message of God. They speak the message of God. That's what a prophet is. And and, and an easy way to remember apostle is one who is sent. An easy way to remember a prophet is God's spokesperson. They are speaking for God. So that's that's very simple. Now, if we're going to learn about prophecy, we have to start in the Old Testament. Okay, that's that's where we start. And then we'll bring it to the New Testament. So I want to show you seven things that we learn about prophecy uh, in the Old Testament. Okay, number one. The prophet always, his job, his calling, or her job or calling, is to speak to God's people. He's not, he's, his job is not to speak to those outside of God's people. Now, sometimes in the Old Testament, the, the prophet would testify about Babylon or Assyria, but it was always in the context of Israel or their relationship to Israel. So that was their job in the Old Testament, to speak to God's people. Jeremiah 7.10 says, from the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. So that's how God communicates with the people. It's interesting, there's two offices in Israel that God established. The priest goes before God on behalf of the people. The prophet goes before the people on behalf of God. Now, you may ask, why? Why did God do it that way? Why did God decide to just send men to speak his words? Well, we learn this in in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. Here, uh, Moses is recounting Mount Sinai. Y'all know the story of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up, and there's fire and and smoke and darkness, and, and, and God speaks. He speaks with a voice. This is what it says. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. So he's remembering what happened on the mountain and how God spoke to the people. This is their reaction they come immediately to Moses, and they said, if we hear the voice of God one more time, we're going to die. We're going to die. You go talk to him, they told Moses. You, you talk to him, and then come back and tell us what to do. And we'll do it. But we don't, we don't want to do that anymore. Isn't that interesting? Go to YouTube, and I, 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 I was looking at one this afternoon. I heard a guy say, I heard the audible voice of God say to me, But when they heard the audible voice of God, it says, don't do that anymore. You're going to die. And watch this. And it says, the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I've heard the words of this people which they've spoken to you. And they're right. Oh, that they had such a heart. God said, that's the right response. When you heard my voice, that was the right response. We're going to die. He said, I wish they always had that fear. Because they would lose that fear and just go off and do whatever they wanted to do. I, he wish, I wish they always had that fear. But that's really where it started. The people said, don't talk to us. You talk to a man and let the man bring the message to us. Now, Moses was different. Look at Numbers twelve six. This is the words of God. He says, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. But not my servant Moses he's faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, man to man, face to face. So with every Moses, he just met with Moses and just talked to him. With every other prophet, he says, I speak to him in dreams. I speak to him in in visions. So that's the job of the prophet, is to hear the words of God and deliver those words to the people. The second thing we learn in the Old Testament about prophets, uh, prophets is they can be both men and women. Now, most Old Testament prophets were men. In fact, the, the, the vast majority of them were men. But there were female prophets, uh, such as Miriam in Exodus 15, Deborah in Judges 4, and a lady named Huldah in Second Kings. And we'll come back to her in, in just a, a moment. The third thing that we learn about prophets in the Old Testament is their message involves both forthtelling and foretelling. Now, this is important, okay? Most of us... When you think of prophets, you've probably got this visual of this gray-haired guy, right? Long gray hair. He's got a robe and a staff, kind of this Old Testament prophet. But most of us, when we think of prophecy, we think of foretelling or uh, telling the future, predicting what's called predictive prophecy. That's what most of us think of when we think of prophecy. And by the way, that's certainly important in the Bible. In fact, in contrast to books like the Quran which as far as I know, the Koran contains no predictive prophecy at all, none. The Bible actually points to predictive prophecy as proof that God is who he says he is. Look at Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. For I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and declaring from ancient times things not yet done. God that basically says, look, you see all these things that I predicted? Ain't nobody like me. Nobody says they're going to do it. It, When I say I'm going to do it, you can take it to the bank. So the Bible actually points to predictive prophecy. So it's certainly important. Don't get me wrong. But that is not their primary role or their primary focus. So it's a mistake for us to think, well, they, those guys just predicted the future all the time. No, that was what they did part of the time. The majority of time was doing something called forthtelling. Now, what's forth-telling? forth-telling? is basically where they just speak truth. They're not predicting the future. They just stand up in front of the people and they speak the truth. Let me give you some examples. The prophet Amos says this, Hear this, you who trample on the needy. And bring the poor of the land to an end. The prophet Jeremiah says, I will pronounce my judgments on them. They have forsaken me and offered sacrifices to other gods and worship the work of their own hands. The prophet Hosea says, uh, God desires steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The prophet Isaiah says, But the Lord of hosts will be exalted in judgment and the holy God will show himself holy in righteousness. Righteousness. What they do is, is they're basically just reminding the people of their commitments. They're reminding them of the holiness of God. They're, they're denouncing things like injustice and idolatry and, and empty ritualism. They're calling the people to repentance and faithfulness. And by the way, they're warning the people that if you don't turn, judgment is going to come. That's their primary role. It's called forth-telling. It's not predictive. It's just speaking truth to the people. Number four, this should go without saying, but unfortunately it doesn't. They spoke the revealed words of God. Genuine prophecies are not a hunch. They're not an intuition. I wish I could make this stuff up. Here's a a modern-day prophet. Uh... I got a picture in my head of Douglas MacArthur. Has anybody got a kid named Doug or Dougie or Douglas? Oh, he's talking about me. No, he's a charlatan. He's a charlatan. If nobody raises their hand, oh, maybe that was George Patton. Anybody got a kid named George? Listen, folks, that ain't prophecy. That's not prophecy. That's not hunches and intuitions and premonitions. You hear the Word of God. And you speak the word of God. And you know it. We see that. Listen, 1 Peter one twenty one: No prophecy, and by the way, this is new or old, was ever produced by the will of man. Never. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That you are speaking the very words of God. And let me tell you, the prophet should tremble. That should make somebody's knees weak. To know the judgment that hangs over you if you don't do it right. Number five, and this is going to be on the test, okay? I'm just telling you right now, for those of you that have been in school, this would be on the test if I was given one. Their words were not always written down. I'll give you a couple of them. First Samuel 10, 5, and 6. Samuel tells King Saul, I want you to go to a certain place. And when you get there, you're going to meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place, and they're going to be prophesying. And the Spirit of the Lord is going to rush upon you and you're going to prophesy with them and be turned into another man. So you got this group of prophets that are prophesying. King Saul, and that's exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit comes on him and he prophesies. What did they say? We have no idea. Nobody wrote it down. So what we see is not all prophecy is written down. Let me show you another one. 1 Kings 18. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that means she killed them. Obadiah took a hundred prophets, hid them by fifties in a cave, and fed them with bread and water. So this is, the, this is the big battle of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Y'all remember he pours the water, and this is during that same time. Obadiah hides a hundred prophets. Who were they? We have no idea. What did they prophesy? We have no idea. Not all prophecies were written down. I'll give you another example. Second Kings. This is going back to that lady I was talking about. It says this, uh, Second Kings 22. The king talking about Josiah, uh, they, they had, Israel, let me set the context here. Israel had had so many evil kings for so long, they had literally lost the word of God. Nobody read it anymore. They couldn't find it. I mean, how bad is that? And then one day, this guy by the name Hilkiah finds this book and he takes it to the king. And he reads it. And, and King Uzziah rents his clothes in mourning, and he says this, Go inquire the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that's been found. So Hilkiah the priest went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom the son of Tikva, and they talked with her. And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Now they wrote down what she said, but notice, they already knew she was a prophet, Right? They knew who to go to. Why? Because she had, had, had prophesied before. Not everything a prophet speaks is written down. Not everything God, for whatever reason, says. Not everything he says goes and becomes scripture. And that's going to be important. Number six, their lives are marked by persecution. Their lives are marked by persecution. For some reason, being God's bringing God's prophetic to the word uh, word to people is a dangerous calling. People don't like it. They they love it when the prophet gets up and says things like 2024 is going to be the year. It's going to be the year of your spiritual breakthrough. This is the year. That thing you've been wanting and that thing you've been praying for, this is your year. And everybody gets fired up. We love that, don't we? What about the prophet when he gets up and he says something like this? God's given me a word for this congregation, and what he wants you to know is there's too many here living in sexual immorality. You say you believe in God's word, but you're living with someone out of wedlock. You're watching pornography. You're engaging in sexual relations outside of marriage, and God wants you to know he sees you, and he's calling you to repentance. And if you don't repent, he's going to come, and he's going to deal with it. Who wants to hear that? By the way, that ain't—I was just making that up, right? I'm not a prophet. But do you understand the difference? We love the first one. Nobody wants to hear the second one. Who is that guy? Don't invite him back. See, you go to the Old Testament. They, one guy, a guy by the name of Micaiah prophesied. Another guy walked up and slapped him across the face. They threw him in jail. They they, they 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 killed him. They persecuted him. They they just they shunned him. It wasn't a popular position to be prophet of God. It's not a prophet. It's not put it this way. It's not popular to speak, speak to speak truth to sinful people. We don't sometimes like to hear just the unadulterated truth. And by the way, that's exactly what the prophet is going to bring. Acts 7-1, this is the story of Stephen. Y'all know the story. They stoned him to death. These are some of his last words. He said, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? That's a rhetorical question. That means you, you persecuted every one of them, and they made them so angry they picked up stones and killed him. Nobody wants to be talked to like that. Nobody wants to be spoken to like that. It is not a popular uh, person to be. Number seven, there have always been and there always will be true and false prophets. Always. Now, by definition, a false prophet is one who stands up in front of you and says, Thus saith the Lord, or I'm speaking the words of God, and that is a lie. They're not speaking the words of God. As we'll see in a moment, their words might come true. But if they say to you, this is the word of God, and they're making that up, they're speaking their own words, it's a lie. That's a false prophet. Listen to Jeremiah 14, 14. The Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I didn't send them. I didn't command them. I didn't speak to them. They're prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, the deceit of their own minds. Isn't that interesting? That tells me that men are standing there and they 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 they're thinking things and they're actually deceiving themselves. That oh, that's from God. That's a false prophet. A real prophet knows when God speaks to him. Now we may have this question, and we all should. And by the way, we're going to talk about this a lot more next week. How do you tell? How do you tell a true prophet from a false prophet in the Old Testament? I'll give you three things. Number one, and this is clear as a bell. A true prophet, if they predict something to happen, it will always come true. And I underline the word always. Listen to Deuteronomy 18 and and listen to the question of the people. It says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I've not commanded him to speak. Or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how do we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? So there's the question. They ask God, how do we know? This is God's answer. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word the Lord has not spoken. Now that's, I, I, I don't know, is, can we make that any clearer? I don't see any kind of fluctuation there. If he says it's going to happen and it don't happen, then I didn't speak that because God's saying when I say it, it's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. So that's how we know when he does predictive prophecy. Here's another thing. The second way we know is that a true prophet's words will always be faithful to Scripture. Listen to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 8, verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That's what the prophet says. If they don't speak according to the scripture, there's no light in them. There's darkness. So they have to be faithful to the word of God. Here's number three. A true prophet always leads you to God and never away from him. Always leads you to God. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4. If a, now, now listen to this. We just said, right, how do you know a false prophet? If he says something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, he's a false prophet. But notice God adds another uh, requirement onto this. It says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and that sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. So he said, this is going to happen, and lo and behold, It did. We would think, oh, well, he's a true prophet. But wait, God says, even if it comes to pass, if that prophet turns around and says, let's go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Listen, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. So you get a guy that comes in and he he says this is going to happen and lo and behold it happens. But he's over here leading you away from the Lord. He says "Don't, don't listen to him. That's a test. Do you love God? So we've got to be very careful there. So these are the seven things that we learn in the Old Testament about prophecy. They, The prophets spoke to God's people. In that case, it was Israel. They spoke the revealed words of God. It involves both foretelling the truth as well as foretelling the future. It was men and women. Not all of it was written down. Their lives were marked by persecution, and there were both true and false prophets. Now, let's turn to the New Testament. So we, we flip from Micah over to uh, Matthew and we begin to read in the New Testament. And we get to the book of Acts and we see this thing, this prophecy is called a gift in the New Testament. Um, and, and this, three, let me point out very qu- quickly three things about it. Number one, the gift is there from the beginning. So you, you come to the day of Pentecost, there's 120 in the upper room, the Spirit falls, they rush out into the street, and Peter preaches a sermon. And at the end of that sermon, 5,000 people get saved. But this is what he said to those people. He said, what you're seeing here today is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes that prophecy. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Now this doesn't mean that everybody's going to prophesy. In fact, we'll see in a minute, uh, Paul says, are all apostles, are all prophets? No, not everybody is. But it's going to be, God's going to give that gift to young people and old people and men and women, and he's going to distribute it as he sees fit. The other thing we see in the New Testament about prophecy is it is very highly regarded. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Read that with me. Especially that you may prophesy, especially before those other things, single that one out, desire that, earnestly desire it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, he goes to the other side of the room and says, don't despise prophecy. So evidently, there was already a tendency in the early church to despise it and say, no, we don't want nothing to do with that. He said, don't do that. Test everything, hold fast to what is good. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophet, third teachers. So he lists them. Prophets, I mean apostles, prophets, teachers. Are all apostles? No, that's a rhetorical question. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. As a matter of fact, just as a, as a side note, if you go look up all the scriptures in the New Testament where the gifts are listed, you will find prophecy is mentioned more than any other gift. Any other gift. It is always mentioned more. And and, and when it is given a, a kind of a rating, it's always listed higher. So, it's always been there from the beginning on the day of Pentecost. it, it is It is given high regard in the early church. So, as we would expect, we should see prophets in the New Testament, and absolutely we do. Acts 13.1 is an example. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So we already see in the early church prophets are, are, are active. Now, what I want to do very quickly as I close here, and I've got about 15 minutes, I want to take those seven things that we saw in the Old Testament And very quickly, look at, do we see the same seven things in the New Testament? Okay? So here's our list. Let's go down. it. In the Old Testament, the the prophets spoke to Israel, right? They spoke to God's people. Well, what we see is the same thing in the New Testament, except now the prophets speak to the church. Because God's people now are the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 3, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. And their encouragement and their consolation, the one who prophesies builds up the church. So that now is the prophet's focus, is the church. In the Old Testament, they spoke the revealed words of God. Is that the same in the New Testament? Absolutely. First Corinthians 14, 29 to 32. Let three two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged, and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So what we're seeing here is that prophets get revelation. Prophets get revelation. By the way, we'll we'll get to this later, but that's the difference between prophecy and teaching. What I do is not revelation. What I do is explanation. God doesn't download anything into me and say, go tell them, I just open the word and teach it. It's, that's not revelation. God is, it tells the prophet what to say. I just, I just go in there and study it and explain it. Everybody win, see the difference there, and we'll talk about that more later. I said it earlier, prophecy is not based on a hunch. It's not a supposition. It's not intuition. It's not a, uh, an educated guess. Prophecy is a human report of a divine revelation. That's a big deal, folks. It's a really big deal. Does uh, prophecy in the Old Testament involved foretelling, and foretelling is the same true in the New Testament? Absolutely. First Corinthians fourteen thirty one: For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. Now, if all prophecy was was future telling, how are you going to learn anything? How are you going to be really encouraged? Right? Sometimes it's just it's just him speaking, him or her speaking the truth. But at the same time, we also see, now we only see two examples in the New Testament that I know of, of of predictive prophecy, and it's both done by the same guy. The first one you find in Acts 11, it says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Now this is interesting. You know, today, if we turned on the news tonight and we heard there was a famine somewhere and we wanted to give, we could literally probably take out our phone, hit a few buttons and send money. You couldn't do that in that day. It took, you had to travel and you had to get word out and all this. So, so if, if, if the church, I mean, can you see how the church would need something like this in that day? Hey, there's going to be a famine. Y'all need to get to work now. Start collecting the money now. And that's exactly what they did. So that's a, that's a perfect example of, of predictive prophecy and why it would have been needed in the early church. Now, here's an interesting one. About 10 chapters later in Acts 21, this guy shows up again. This is Luke writing. He said this, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea. And while we were staying there for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt. So he took his his belt that, that he wrapped around his tunic. And he bound his own feet and hands. And this is what he said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now that's... That's, that's pretty cool, right? If we were here tonight and somebody walks up and they sit down and they bind, they tie themselves all up and say, thus says the Holy Spirit. Whoever owns this belt, this, if you, this is how they're going to treat him at Jerusalem. They're going to bind him up and deliver him to the Romans. Now you can imagine, what, what would we all do? If they said that was going to happen to Pastor Henry, would we try to convince him not to go? Right? This is exactly what they did. Luke said, when we heard this, We and the people urged him, don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul said, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. What a man. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Boy, is there a lesson there. By the way, that was a true prophecy. What he said was going to happen is exactly what happened but do you know what? Do you see what Paul did? You see, Paul says, Paul's led by the Spirit of God. He's not led by prophecy. There, there is no way anyone in this room should ever, your actions should be ever driven by the words of a man. If you are a child of God, you are led by the Spirit of God. If you are a child of God, you are to be led by the Spirit of God, not what somebody tells you. So that's the only place in the Bible where we have a predictive prophecy over a person, and he just ignored it. Didn't say it wasn't true. He just said, I'm going anyway. Why? Because the Spirit is driving me there. Now, he knew what was coming. That was for him. He knew what was coming when he got there because it had already been prophesied. But it didn't stop him from going because the Spirit, he knew under the Spirit, that's where he was supposed to go. The Old Testament was men and women. Is that true of the New? Yes, it is. Acts 21, 8 and 9, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea. We entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So they they were female prophets. What did they say? No idea. Who were they? No idea, other than they were Philip's daughters. Which leads us to the next one. In the Old Testament, not all prophecy was written down. The exact same thing is true in the New Testament. Acts 15.32, Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. What were those words? We have no idea. None of them were written down. So that tells us once again that not, again, not every prophecy, not everything that God once said to a group or to anybody necessarily needs to go into Scripture. It didn't happen in the Old Testament. didn't happen in the New Testament. New Testament, the Old Testament prophets, their lives were marked by persecution. What about the New Testament? Well, Why would it be any different? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11, 12, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. So it's, it's no different today. People who speak the truth. People who stand up against culture. People who stand up against the religious hierarchy sometimes. I mean, that was who persecuted Jesus. That was who persecuted the prophets. It wasn't the Babylonians or the Assyrians necessarily. It was the the people of God. They didn't want to hear what they had to say. And the same thing is true today. That's why false prophets will never tell you what you don't want to hear. They'll tell you what you want to hear. Finally, is there, there were true and false prophets in the Old Testament? Are there true and false prophets in the New Testament? Absolutely. 1 John 4, 1, let's read it again. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, for many false prophets. So John is saying here, by the way, if there was no such thing as a true prophet, why would we need a test? If there's no such thing as a true prophet, why would we need a test? If somebody says you're a prophet, you say, nope, you're false. There's no such... No, there's, there's certainly such things. Test them, he said. Not, don't assume they're from God. The onus is on you to test them. Figure it out. Now, here's the question for us as, as New Testament Christians. If we believe there, are, new, there are, are false prophets... By the way, isn't this interesting? I bet if I took a poll of a thousand Christians and I said, do you believe there are false prophets? I bet a thousand would say yes. But I said, if I said, Do you believe there are true prophets? I don't think I'd get a thousand. I'd get very few that say, Well, yeah, I don't well, I don't know, or whatever the case may be. So let's assume for a moment there are true and false prophets. How do we tell them apart? What are the tests? So it's the same three tests, by the way, I believe. A true prophet's predictive prophecy is always going to come true. I I've seen people try to kind of negate this in the New Testament church, but honestly, I just don't see Scripture, the Bible's very clear. The Word of God comes true. The Word of God comes true. It's very simple. If, if, you did, if it doesn't come true, you were not speaking the Word of God, and you were a false prophet. I just don't, I mean, if you, again, I think it's very clear. Nothing changes just because we're in the, in the New Testament. Number two, I think, is also the same. A true prophet's word will always be faithful to Scripture, always, always. A couple of scriptures to, for, on this point, 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Paul says, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn, do not go beyond what is written. Don't go beyond what is written. As a teacher, I cannot go beyond what is written. As a prophet, you cannot go beyond scripture. You cannot you you can only stay within the bounds of Scripture. You are that that is what encircles you or, or, or constrains you, if you will. Uh, Romans sixteen seven. Paul says, "I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught." This is why yesterday or a couple of days ago, when I watched that that lady, it was simple. She the thing she taught was contrary to the doctrine. It was contrary to the Bible. It was, just, it was just easy. The problem is, is most people don't know the Bible. They, don't, they can't listen and know. I, I, wait a minute, that's not in there. So this is, again, let's go back to the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. To equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And Then what it says, so that we're no longer children tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine. That's one of the things that we're trying to do is our body shouldn't just be working and ministering, but we should be educated. We should know the word of God. So if somebody walks in that door and starts teaching a doctrine that's contrary to the Bible, you don't even need to call anybody. You already know. You already know. I save the best for last. Because if you don't leave here tonight with anything else, you leave here tonight with this. A true prophet. Always leads you to Jesus, never away from him. Listen to Revelation 19, 9 and 10. And the angel, John, is, is having this vision, right? This is the revelation. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. John gets so overcome, and I've heard people criticize him for this. How in the world could he fall down? And try to worship that angel. But I think in the moment of where he was and, and everything that was being, I, I don't know. He just, he just was overcome, right? But it says, I fell down at his feet of the angel to worship him. And he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Y'all have heard us sing that, or not me sing it, but somebody saying it up here uh, a a couple times. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? Let me give you a couple other translations. The New Living Translation says this, the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness of Jesus. For the testimony about Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, what the angel is saying is the whole point of prophecy is him. The heart of prophecy, the focus of prophecy, the intent of prophecy is to lift up Jesus and glorify Jesus and magnify Jesus. So when a man stands in front of you and and is prophesying about Donald Trump, and he's prophesying about the economy, and he's prophesying, you tell me how that leads you to Jesus. Wake up. Wake up, America. That's got nothing to do with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The spirit of true prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. If you don't leave here with anything else, you don't know anything else about prophecy, you, you hear somebody prophesy and you think, how is that leading me to Jesus? How is that glorifying Jesus? How is that lifting up Jesus? That's a really good test. And I can guarantee the vast majority of them, the vast majority of them, fail that test. Now here's the question you want the answer to. You're not going to get it tonight, so I'm just going to tell you right now. I've got to get you back next week, but are there still prophets in the church today? Are there still prophets in the church today? Now, I'll answer this next week for you, but I want to leave you with one thought. If you and I could somehow open our Bible and read it like we were reading it for the very first time, if we could somehow just do that, right? Just open it up and forget all—forget what Mom said and, and forget what Uncle Bob told us and forget the church we were brought up in or the type of denomination. If we could just put all that aside and come and read the Bible for the very first time, can we at least agree you would walk away from that thinking that prophecy was a vital part of the New Testament church, would you? How can you not? You would walk away from that thinking, man, this prophecy thing's a big deal. This prophecy is held in high regard. This prophecy, and by the way, you tell me, does Jesus need to be glorified and lifted up and and extolled any less today than he did 2,000 years ago? No. Does the church need to be encouraged and consoled and edified and build up any less than they did 2,000 years ago? No. The need is still there. Now, like I said, we'll come back next week and we'll do our best to, uh, uh to answer that question. But I just wanted to kind of lay the framework tonight of, of what, uh, prophecy is. So next week, again, we'll come back and look at part two. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you. For your word. God, we know that this is a, a controversial and complex and sometimes confusing subject in the church today. Um, and God, I, as I've prayed this week and, and others, I pray for clarity, uh, not just in, in, in the understanding your word. I pray for the ability for us to, 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 to push through all the junk to, to push through the what we've been told and what we think and all of this stuff. And God, just push through to find you and to find your truth. And God, I pray for not only ears to hear it. I pray for a head and a mind to understand it. But more than that, I pray for a heart to accept it. God, I, I, this is all on you. I, I just ask you to be with us this week, next, and the weeks to come. Turn us into the church that you want us to be. And we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory and we'll give you the honor in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.